Hello and welcome to episode 54 Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. Today's episode is an interview with Anna Kate. Now Anna Kate uh, has been a student, uh, a Property Mastermind student and she's a mum, she was a cheesemaker and now she is a very successful developer. This is her story on how it worked for her. You are going to learn so much, you're going to be inspired by this amazing woman and I know that the question Bob asks the lovely Anna Kate will leave you thinking yes I can do this too so jump on into episode 54 a fabulous interview with the lovely Anna Kate hey and welcome to episode 54 Bob solo episode today, not me. Uh, he'll be talking with Anna Kate, interviewing her on her journey in property development, going from a mum and a cheesemaker to a very successful property developer. But before we get started, giving away this fabulous book, Property Millionaires Exposed. And this week, the book goes to Jessica Long. Jessica, uh, and she's in Brisbane. So congrats, Jessica. Uh, enjoy the book. This will be out to you by uh, later in the week. Anyway, also a bit of a reminder before we get started, if you're hearing this podcast before or when it comes out, we have our networking event in Melbourne this weekend. We've done Brisbane, we've done Sydney. The feedback has been absolutely fabulous, so you won't want to miss it from 2 to 5.30. And it is, it's Joint Ventures Unpacked, where Bob explains how joint ventures can work for you. So you can do more property development deals, and there's a lot of win-win situations. If you're interested in learning more about that, there will be a link below click on that it's $29 and really that's just so if you say you're coming you're committed to coming so come along it's going to be a fab event I talk a little bit about what it takes to get stuff done in your head and we've got a few other uh, really exciting speakers there but 2 to 5 30 and fabulous networking afterwards you will not want to miss it also uh, Thursday evening in the ACT at the East Hotel we've got an investment seminar so if you're in the ACT and you're listening to this during the day at Tonight, that'll be actually tonight when you're listening to it, uh, it's in the East Hotel in Kingston. So anyway, jump, to, uh, jump into this fabulous episode with Bob and Anna-Kate, and you're going to be so inspired. Hey, Anna-Kate, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. So just for our listeners and viewers out there, I thought we'd start with Pretty background. So, I mean, you weren't born a property developer, neither was I, of course, son of a panel beater. But um, what were you doing in your in your pre-life? Well, I'd done a few things in my pre-life, mainly marketing and advertising for an advertising agency in Melbourne. Um, and then I married a country boy. So, <laughs> did the, uh, yeah, that's it, Joel. Um, and found myself, yeah, having babies. I did a bit of uh, tree change thing. I did some, um, had a gourmet land business, ended up cranking that up and getting that exporting and then sold that and then went into cheese making. I was teaching people how to make cheese around the countryside with a baby on each hip. Wow. So that's that's pretty cool. I mean, what, what, that, what that shows me is that you're, you've got this entrepreneurial spirit in there. I mean, I guess if you're into advertising, that's sort of a creative field. Uh, and and then also the entrepreneurial bit, like you build a business up, you sold it. And, you know, property development, we are entrepreneurs ultimately. And so I could, I could see that sort of coming out 
and what you just told me. And also doing this while you're a mum, as you said, a kid on each hip. Uh, that's one of the wonderful things about about the female species is that they're uh, they're great at um, doing about ten things at once, unlike unlike yours truly. So, <laughs> so that's that's pretty impressive. And so, when did you decide that the property was going to be it? Did you did you sort of move into a property investment or Renos? I mean, how, how, what's your property journey? How'd that get going? So, um, yeah, cheese making was really good fun but I think that the average um, earnings there are about $10,000 a year so um, and it was dragging me away from families on weekends and my husband actually has got pretty involved business of his own so he'd be like yeah go and go out and cheese make yeah it brings in good money for the time but then I'd be trying to find somewhere to park the babies like 5.30am and it would always be his weekends out doing trade visits and whatever. So that was pretty awkward. Hmm. So um, I've always dabbled in property and shares, um, pretty actively trading and things. But I looked back at what I've managed to do, even just with passive property versus shares and property was winning. So, uh, yeah, we did a bit of a property. Well, I did a property course. Joel wasn't interested. Um, did a bit of a reno and that was okay. Um did a couple of those sorts of sort of smaller things. They were only sort of $50,000, $60,000 renos and it was for an end purpose to change the use of the building for income purposes. Uh, and then I remember real estate agents going, is your husband going to go and have a look at this one? And then going, oh, no, it's sort of my side of the of things. But when I came to see you speak, Bob, um, so I guess my imagination was captured and I knew that this would be one way that, would really appeal to Joel, more the commercial nature of it, you know, the business, talking about the tea here and a the tea there, um, you know, the profit from townhouses. And I knew that he would think that was fun, but also he's very commercial and, and, and get the big picture. So I dragged him along and he was hooked. And so finally he was actually interested in the property thing too. So we had a bit of fun doing your course and then your mentorship Um we always wanted to be pretty serious. What's the point of doing something unless you're actually going to have a real go? Uh, so we did that and, and never looked back. Also, yeah, so that was, yeah. yeah. So, so getting getting your husband on board, that was a great thing. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way with a couple as long as the, the other partner is supportive. And, we, you know, we see plenty of examples of uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the lady or the guy doing it. As long as the other partner's supportive, but in this case, you know, you, Joel's sort of jumping in there. You've brought him along. You've told him what you've discovered, and and next thing, it's great. And and because I know him pretty well, he's a very um, like he, he deals with with facts and he's analytical. And I could see how he could love it. I could see he'd be the numbers sort of guy a lot, you know, and you'd be painting the big picture for him. But ultimately, because you are the property developer in that in that uh, in that couple. But you got a lot of support there, and that's great. A lot of support. He's good as a soundboard, though, so he understands, although even though I'm the day-to-day person and put all the deals together, and um, when I, it's good to actually have someone to run everything past. Um, and I've just found, like, it doesn't so much happen now, but those first couple of deals, you know, you get buyer's remorse and you're thinking, oh, have I have I done it? And, Oh, it's really good to just 
okay, let's sit down, let's run through the numbers. And we run through the numbers and he'd look at me and go, it's still great. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's still good. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. That was nice just to have a bit of that support, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is pretty important to get that support as well. Uh, yeah, so that's great. So here we go. Let's let's talk about your your first foray into it because I know you've done lots since and you're doing plenty at the moment. But tell me about that first deal. First of all, what was it? Okay, so the first deal we were um, out in the market looking for a three townhouse development. We, you know, we'd done your course, so we knew to work out our budget and then target areas that we could afford. Um, we'd found a bit of a sweet spot. I'm, I'm a bit of a research nut. So we found a bit of a sweet spot, Bayside, Melbourne, where the growth was going up and the townhouse. Anyway, it was a nice little spot where the land wasn't um, that expensive and it was getting its premium for townhouses. So we targeted that spot. And worked really hard. It was really, really actually frustrating. It took a good six months to find a deal. And I remember I kept reaching out to your team and saying, is there anything else I can do? And they kept saying, well, what are you doing? And I'd be like, you know, real estate agents, this, that, the other. And we even ended up doing letterbox drops at Joel and I. And we are four hours away from our target site. And we did have, you know, a two- and a four-year-old. So it was all pretty... um, pretty hard going at that point and I remember um you know the mentoring team saying just keep going you're doing everything right just keep going and then lo and behold we found like three deals in one week which was so exciting three things that would work um so we took them into our architect who was one of your little black book contacts um from the mentoring program that just that that contact that architect just made such a huge difference for us. Um, the way that they had all the consultants in the one house and really made it very, you know, much simpler for us. So thanks again for that. That was amazing. Um, and one of the deals that we found, um, well, the two that we did go through stacked up with the architect and then the third one, Joel just sort of flicked on the table and said, oh, and there's this one. And it had, it was a... Pretty small site, 674 square metres, but it had a DA approval for 11 apartments. And obviously we didn't want to do apartments and the architect just took one look at it and went, 11 apartments, that won't stack. And he said, however, because it's got an existing DA, got dragged through VCAT, you could take that building envelope and reconfigure it for townhouses. And he did his little sketching thing in the room you know, 3.2 minutes, so it's so impressive, and said, we can get seven townhouses on it. And Joel and I just went, that's the one. Um, So we went for it. Um, Yeah, another sort of thing that was really good that we've used in almost every deal we've purchased since is your negotiating tip box. So we we had this um, site. It was listed on, on the market for a certain price, and we actually offered a little bit less than what it was listed for. I think it was listed for 960. We ended up picking up for about 900. Uh, and as always, the real estate agents, you know, they always try and nibble and get you higher and higher and higher. And you just said, well, that's where it stacks up. So that's what I said. I knew that we could actually go a little bit higher. I'm like, well, that's where it stacks up. And that was it. That just the real estate agents like, oh, that's right. It's a business for these guys. It has to make money. And they just stop trying and 
Well, I've used that in about eight developments since. I reckon it saved me about $260,000 on purchasing sites, just that one line alone. Mm, that's, a lot of sh- that's a lot of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's about 26 years of uh, cheese making the way I was going. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. So, yeah, Essex Townhouse site, um, it was triple-storey Bayside. We are going to have Bayside views from the top. A few little challenges with it. Um, the council decided because we had a lane beside it that was just, it was actually just a gravel track. But they decided because they were redeveloping the train station um, 200 metres further up, that it was going to become a muse like in London. And so that we had to change the whole development so that it was looking out over this little used private lane and we were going to have to develop it. We are going to have to do all the curbside drainage, everything for the three, four houses that um, poured into that lane. And we were three quarter, halfway through the development. We got it through GA stage and just done all the colour selections. And so I'm like you, Bob, I don't like doing that sort of thing. So I outsource it for an interior design. I just don't have the patience. It stresses me out. Um, so we just got the colour selections back and Dan Andrews um, announced without any warning that he was doing the railroad crossing um, initiative and where we were developing they couldn't go underground. They were going to have a really nice sort of two to three story sky level sky rail going past our development. So there went the, you know, the bayside views and, you know, all of a sudden we're going to be looking onto this monstrosity. So we were all of a sudden a bit worried about how they'd sell and also the premium of the front one um, that was going to have these great views. And the views were going to be the but anyway. Um, so because when we, we've been trying to find a site, we'd been reaching out to lots of real estate agents. We'd actually got to know a couple pretty well. And there was, um, you know, Bob, you always say you go to one real estate agent to buy and another one to sell, and they're not necessarily always the same one. Not always, well, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously the one that you can't buy from because they're always jacking up the prices, but they're the ones you want to sell. So I went to the one that... Um, was good at jacking up prices. I said, well, what would it be worth if we sold it with plans and permits? And uh, he did his job well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we ended up selling that. We worked out that if we sold it with plans and permits, we'd only make $20,000 less with the deal he got us than if we went the whole way through and developed it. So that was pretty insane. So Yeah, it sounded like the market had lifted as well. So that, that was a pretty good deal. So... Your yep. first development, you didn't build anything. You you got the DA, you know, obviously think things were going well in the marketplace and you did a quick flip. So just in round mm-hmm. figures, that quick, well, well, when I say a quick flip, obviously you went through quite a bit to get the development permit. Yep. But what did you pull out of that without building a building? $560,000. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I remember. I remember because I wanted to print it out and put it on the wall and Joel shut me down. <laughs> I remember getting an email from you uh, yeah. saying that. I think the champagne was out at the time. So that's a tremendous kickstart, isn't it? I mean, yeah, we, not everybody gets a great kickstart like that, but um, that's great, you know, to make 560000 out of your first project without building. But 90-something percent of people would have actually given up. And Hillary often says successful people do the things that unsuccessful people aren't prepared to do. and you gave that a six-month slog before something came up. 
And, you know, you, you live four hours away. You've done letterbox drops. You've chased agents. And I'm sure there's plenty of times when you started to second guess yourself, get a little bit frustrated, no doubt. But it didn't deter you. You, the thing is you had determination. And look, as a property developer, it's a pretty good thing to be determined. Uh, and, and you did that. So, yeah, look, some people might say, oh, isn't that lucky? Well, yeah, but you can make your luck too because most people would have given up uh, and not just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And you did everything right. And the thing is you were sowing seeds for that six months because you mentioned about three things popped up at the same time, and that is not unusual. You're out there, you know, uh, you know, hoeing the ground, sowing the seeds, watering the seeds all during that six months. You know, trees are coming up and bingo, it took six months and it starts to show fruit. So well done, girl. Thank you. Thank you. We had so many learnings on that one because I think I mentioned that we just didn't, we didn't have a lot of money and sort of only had under $200,000 of our own. So when we found a bigger project, we we had to go straight out and find a JV as well. So, um, of course, that's where we kind of leaned pretty heavily once more on you, Bob, um, which was great. And we ended up being in this really fortunate position of actually having a short list of six potential JV partners that were interested. And we went, we came to Melbourne and met with them all and uh, from that, and actually they were all great, they were all great people. Um, so all business heads who could have worked with any of them. Um, we chose a couple who'd done lots of developments before because we thought that would be good to leverage more knowledge. But uh, that was an excellent process to go through to really kickstart our joint venturing because we've done quite a bit of that since and that's made all the difference because often, you know, especially at the beginning, we just didn't have the funds behind us to do it ourselves. Oh, plenty of people have launched their development career the same way. Well, the first two deals I ever did, first two developments, so I used other people's money. Mm. So uh, it's a great method. But the other thing you're saying there too is, you know, you know, during the process where you knew ahead of time you needed investors, you've gone searching, you've gone to, you know, our Facebook or wherever else you went. Well, there's lots of ways of digging for investors. And you've come up with some and that's great. And then you made the trek to Melbourne, three or four hours, whatever it is, and had a face-to-face. And that's really important as well. I think if you're going to do business with people, uh, you know, that, that face-to-face can be important. That's, you know, it's not a prerequisite, but it, it helps build trust and that's important. So you're doing all the, all the little things right. And, and so you're pretty keen, I imagine. You, you, you've cashed up. You've got some money in the bank. You've got investors sitting around. And now you're looking for a high-rise office block to do. Maybe not. Maybe not yet. That's next no, year. No, but we did a – oh, we did – so that was a little while ago. Then we went – we actually um, contracted on another six stack in regional uh, Victoria. Um, well, it's actually building four new and splitting a massive house at the front into two separate houses. So they end up being six lots, reno and new building and things. But we found, so we were a little bit overconfident, I think, because we had such an easy job finding investors for the first project. Bayside Melbourne sounds good. Um, we found regional um, Vic much more challenging to find joint ventures for, like really a lot more challenging. Um, we've since learned from that and when we're doing regional projects, we find regional investors yep. they understand there and they feel confident and, and they get it, but we hadn't learned that at that point. And honestly, all of our contacts were 
from doing, you know, those property courses, like your property courses and things in Melbourne where you reach out and share details with everyone. We actually didn't really have too many regional property contacts that we were aware of. So um, actually, once again, we called you, Bob, <laughs> and said, help, we can't find a joint venture partner, um, which wasn't what we are expecting because it was so easy for the first one. Uh, and, yeah, you just actually did help with that one as well. Um, just, just happened to have a yeah. chat to you looking for a good project. Um, but that that taught us a lot as well about the people that we um we learned a lot about that, uh, about the people that you're going to JVs with and how you do it. And um, we're quite trusting. And so, um, yeah, we'll never do a handshake deal again uh, because the joint venture, um, the money partner, um, actually stalled um, on signing the JV contract. We, you know, I'm hiking, you know, volcanoes, stop calling me and all this sort of stuff. Uh, always overseas, always busy, and sort of just prior to settlement was really freaking out. And then he decided that the whole deal needed a rework, as you can imagine. So, yeah, anyway, ended up bringing his lawyers in, giving us, you know, the bill. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so we learned a lot, but all the subsequent, actually, what we learned from that has really helped us with all future JVs, and we've never had a curly no. like that. No, no, lock up all the paperwork early. Yeah. And you so, did say that later when I called you and said, oh, what do we do with this bugger? And you said, throw him out and find the others. I'm like, oh, I told the others we were sorted and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's all fun. Probably said something like chop his legs off and toss him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about in the end? Everyone made money and it was fine. But yeah. I had some Swiss peddling to um, mm. Yeah, uh, not, not enjoyable, but, but, but an experience. So mm. it, it's sometimes funny. When, when your first project goes extremely well and you think, oh, I should have been doing this a long time ago. You know, you know, why doesn't everybody do this? It's so great. And, and then you do your second one and it's not so – sometimes you can have a really tough one on your first one and you think, oh, God, I don't know if I want to do another one. And then your other one can be a lot easier. You know, you never know. Your yeah. first project could be, you know, pretty straightforward, could be really easy, could be really tough. Uh, but then you've gone into now something a bit tough. You're dealing with a – with a property investor, uh, you know, a funding, money partner, equity partner, whatever you want to call them, bit of a tough one, but but like you got through and you and you learned from it. And you say, okay, dude, I won't go, I won't do it that way again. And that, and that's what it's about. I mean, that's what life's about too. We all make heaps of mistakes, mistakes just yeah. in our life. We think, dude, I won't do that again, or I won't date that sort of person again. You know, when you're younger, uh, yeah. and that's what it's about. So you tightened up that. So going forward, okay, this is how I'm going to deal with investors going forward. And and what I love about some of your deals, and I can't even remember all of them, they often have a bit of a twist. They're not just like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go and do three boring townhouses and, yeah. and, and, and boringly make half a million dollars. <laughs> so so y- y- you're talking about short-term accommodation. Tell us about, about you know, you might want to just pick one project that's a bit different. Oh, gosh, we've, yeah, we've, we've done How many have you done? How many are you doing at the moment uh, as we speak? I think we've got five on at the moment. Yep. Um, but one of them, um, oh, is that the six? We are, we do a lot of uh, sort of help. So I'm on a local childcare board and so I'm building a new childcare for them. So that would be like a no-cost thing, just doing lots of lobbying, government, federal, state to get that sorted at the moment. Haven't you, step, haven't you stepped up from uh, making 
making cheese. <laughs> You're on the, you'll be the mayor. I said to you recently, I think you'll be the mayor, the next mayor probably. No, I love the mayor. The mayor's great. Um, I'll leave the mayor there. It's probably hard for a mayor to be a developer, although I do know a few. You'll love this. Our local yeah. mayor's a, a property developer, an ex well, probably still does it. And um, he stood up in council and, um, yeah, I don't think he realised that was one of mine, but um, proed it through and got a unanimous vote for one of my developments through the council. Way to go. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, so, yeah, so where were we? Oh, do you know one of the best things that we learned um, was you taught us to do put those financial packages together for the finance application? Oh, yeah. And, and I was a good little student and literally did exactly as you said. We had the whole, I, I think it was like 74 pages you know, <laughs> at the end and um, I had to sort of go in and I'm in the office works at midnight the night before because there was some computer malfunction and we're four hours away. Anyway, bound it all up. They looked amazing. And then had um, literally a cafe table booked for four hours and had the banks come in and they saw the other banks leave as we'd finished presenting to the other oh, one. And then it was pretty awesome because the, the NAB girls that came down and I started presenting and I got, I don't even think I got past the contents page or the third or fourth page and they just said to me, how many of these do you think you're going to be doing a year? Like, oh, we could probably fund this. It's like, how many of these are you going to be doing a year? I was like, oh, and you how know many what? can you fund a year? <laughs> they have funded every single project we've done subsequently. Every other bank, we always think, oh, well, you better just shop around the deal. Everyone said no every single time, and those girls have got it through every single time. Same relationship manager, and now they're senior, senior relationship managers that they've managed to take us with them, which is sort of nice. Yeah. So you would have used one of our pro, pro formers probably mm. where you're filling the missing pieces. You didn't have to, you know, create it from scratch. And yeah, Ben emailed me. I just copied it. Awesome. Mm. It's all about looking professional, looking the goods. We've had lots of people who've been through our program and used our pro forma for finance and the financiers like shook their heads and, mm. and said, we've never seen an application like this. It's just it's so professional. It's so easy to follow. Some of them said, look, we've got big corps, you know, big Public with listed companies don't do applications like you guys. It's so and bingo, you know, and that's good. I mean, whatever it is, you've got to look professional in in, in, in property development, when, particularly when you're dealing with people like financiers. So yes. that's that's brilliant. And as you said, you made such an impression on them the first time that they just kept running with you mm, to this day. Brilliant. Yep, even when everyone else says no, and I I can't even imagine some of the conversations they've had, you know, with their senior credit managers because I know that. Some of the stuff we've we've done has been, you know, yeah, some of it's a bit. It's a, curly. It's a bit out of the box. It, it's a bit it, curly, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, uh, and I always am. I love that expression because I always say, "Well, aren't you usually?" But uh, to be honest, that uh, banks are pretty conservative and pretty stick in the mud, and they don't like moving out of these very tight parameters. Mm. And and for them to, you know, can like continue doing some of, some of the stuff. I mean, you're doing short-term accommodation, you're doing mm. some trick, tricky stuff. That's a real, well, it's a feather in their cap, but it's a bigger feather in your cap that you made such an impression on them and that you can explain a deal in, in the terms that they can understand mm. that mm. they just keep rolling up. And, yeah, that's and once right. again, congratulations. Well done. It's you that's huh. doing it. 
It's all you. We just we just did what you taught us to do. Well, you're, you're applying it, you know. I mean, look, thousands of people have done our basic property development course uh, and, and, you know, a number have never done anything. Some are extremely successful. Same course. It's the people. It's the person. It's, it's what you do with the knowledge, uh, whatever it is, and, you know, even beyond property mastermind. It's what you do with what you learn that makes the difference. Otherwise, you just got enormous head full of knowledge. So you applied yeah. it and you got results. Yes, thank goodness. And one of the one of our favorite things is we look at a market and if it's a, like if we want to hold something for cash flow, then we'll look at where the niches are, where the like where the gap is. Like so we've got some of the most expensive executive, you know, furnished accommodation that judges sort of stay when they're doing the circuit in Wangaratas and Wangaratta in the regional towns. And then we've got some sort of affordable studio and we do micro apartments. And we've even got yeah. some high-end Airbnbs now. So, yeah, it's good. So what where, the direction you've gone on in general terms is, is that you're looking for uh, projects that you can keep some or all of that produce really good incomes. So, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with a standard investment. You do three townhouses, you sell two, you keep one, you rent it out. I mean, that's great. It's all good. But then there's... There's particular niche products that we know produce higher incomes, mm. and then we sort of move generally initially into the short-term accommodations, and, and and that's where you're going. And then you've got a variety of those because you said you've gone up market on some, mm-hmm. and uh, where you've got you know as you said you know even read judges who travel regionally, um, and that's close to my heart because I was doing a, a regional project where. I had to take the the council to court and the judge had to go to a regional area and stay somewhere. So I fully understand that. And and so that's, is that a, is that a direction that you've gone and that you continue to go on this, this higher rental type development? It is. We, um, well, we, we learned, or you probably taught us pretty early on that if we hold, if we hold, then you make just so much more money because you're not, you're not paying GST, you're not paying agents commission, you're not paying income tax. So if everything we develop is cash flow positive and you're making that 15 to 20% margin, you're just getting free houses and building income stream after income stream after income stream. And it's all just builds and it's built quickly. Uh, and so we did, the only thing I'd say about having that more active management side is it does require more active management. And Property development's awesome because of the time and flexibility, but when then you create a, an accommodation and property management business on top, obviously that's, um, you know, the income's awesome, but, yeah. um, you know, you're actually creating a job for yourself, which is the whole point of doing property development so you don't have to show up to the office every day. Anyway, we're at the stage where we can have staff now, so um, I still can go lunching and hiking whenever the office is yeah. going pop back up. But there was a couple of years there where, Things were possibly a bit too busy between managing the accommodation and doing all the development, but we're through that sort of sticking tight spot now and, and life's good again, but it was a bit scary yeah. there for a minute. So during this period, let's put the whole picture together. You're a wife of a, of a busy guy. You're a property developer. You're a mum of two growing kids moving into teenagehood. And you're a property manager on some on properties that that take a bit out of you in terms of short term accommodation. 
and you're wearing all these hats and you're pretty damn busy. Mm. And, and so now you're restructuring, you're saying, well, the property management is probably the thing I don't really enjoy, not, not like property development. I'm the same. I can't stand property management. I always get someone to do it. And, and it's probably not, not as easy in a regional area to get an experienced property manager who's very experienced in short-term accommodation. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's others that just rent houses and stuff out on 12-month leases. I did try, but you're right. Mm. Um, yep, there, there was no one that said, yes, that could do it properly, do it well. Yeah, yeah. When you come to the cities, there are specialist property managers and I tend to offload to them, uh, which is why, I mean, you get a, you get a high yield. The, the, the management fee is always higher on that short-term accommodation, a bit like a holiday house, you know, when, when you rent mm-hmm. a holiday, you know, there's people coming and going, 20 tenants a year instead of one. And they charge more, but then you're getting a much higher yield and your net's yeah. still so great. Yeah, it still stacks up well, but we just didn't have that option in the region. Mm. So you're looking at handling, if you like, outsourcing the property management, but not to an external property manager because in the regional area you can't find such a creature. And, and so you're training and you're going to have somebody in-house that's going to look after that for you, and particularly as it grows, as you get more properties and develop more. Mm. Yeah, there's, um, there's a fairly good increase happening in the next... Well, every six months, actually, there's a fairly ex- an extra tranche, uh, fairly large, coming into the accommodation um, business. And so, yeah, I guess um, the other option is that in, you know, two years there'll be a decent rent roll to sell, like another, you know, Joel, Joel keeps sort of saying, well, it's getting to the size, you know, now where it is another arm of the business that will be saleable. So um, there is that. But I think you'd almost want to sell the assets underlying as well because, because of that specialist nature, like our vacancy rates are zero. Um, but, you know, you get someone else doing it, it could end up pretty. Well, mm. I've heard stories and it, it can be, yeah, not so good. So, you know, maybe offload mm. the whole whole arm, um, but the cash flow is so good. Oh, look, it's our question, you know, if you don't have to sell, don't sell. That's my idea yeah. with real estate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and particularly something that pumps cash. I mean, I, I love things that pump cash as well. That's mm. why, I, you know, my, my favourite things retirement villages and, and they're great and, you know, Hillary's doing NDIS as well and, yeah, can't, yeah. you know, any, any property development's great, but particularly property developments that you can keep and get a you know really good return mm-hmm. on and, and handle that management side mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's the key. Yeah. Uh, there's two there's two parts of yeah. yeah. There's two parts of property development I don't like. You mentioned one before. That's doing all the colour selections yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I just pay an interior designer to do that. Just keep a bit of an overview, but that's so stressful. That, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have n- needles poked in my eyes. And and the other part is uh on properties we hold is the management. It sounds like you're pretty similar with me on that. And good luck if you love it. So, so you know, bringing it up to, to current times, so you've got this increasing portfolio of good properties that you've developed and held. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, – you're handling that at the moment. You're looking at – you said you've got four, maybe five on the go. You're doing a, you're doing a bit of pro bono work, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got some good. You've built some really good contacts in the industry. You've got good finance contacts, good industry contacts. The council's quite aware of you, uh, and, and at regionals, you'll go. Uh, anything interesting at the moment? Is, is you're looking at commercial? You're looking at still doing the various types of accommodation. I mean, what got any interesting things you can tell us about at the moment? Even if it's something you're looking at or something you're doing, a little bit of a twist. We love twists. Yeah. Well. Um... 
I guess the one that we're I, I, every every development I do, it's like my little baby. I get really excited by. But this one, the next one that we're doing, is pretty exciting. Um, I think because it's a little bit different. So we've got um, a location that's really basically almost in CBD, just on the very edge um, of one of the regional towns, and we're doing a double commercial down the bottom. Um, apartments stacked above, and then three townhouses along the rear. So, well, there's a combo of three. Yeah. So we've got two commercial units. I'll call them on ground level at street frontage. I imagine. Yes. Above that, did you say short term accommodation upstairs? Well, what or we resi, do with those apartments, we're not sure. We're we're putting two um, two bedroom, probably two bed, two bath apartments because they'll be very high end. This is sort of the mm. blue area of this town. Um, and then whether we keep them, again, as furnished high-level exec long-term, I think I've had enough of short-term, mm. um, or whether we add short-term, like whether we Airbnb them because we've got, you know, the staff and the setup and all the business processes to do that sort of rinse and repeat. Um, yeah. It, yeah. There's, so two there's, types of, there's two types of problem. Yeah. There's the problem that caused you, causes you angst and there's the problem with, which no matter how I solve it, it's going to be great, and that's that sort of a problem this upstairs. Development, this is crazy. This this site, because I'm used to doing townhouse sites, and, yes, we do dress them up and make them tricky so they're high-yielding, but essentially they're townhouse sites. So I'm used to going to my amazing architect that, you know, I strayed from once and so I'll never do again, um, used to going to him and saying, right, you know, what's the, you know, what's the highest, how can we, what's the highest site density I want to see how many threes and how many three-two combinations we can do or fours and threes, whatever, and he spews out the concepts. This one, and it's the highest yield, you do your fees, do five or something, work out the best one and run with that. This one had something like 57 different layouts you could choose. Ah, oh, it was a bit, a bit of a different bag. Um, so it took us a lot longer. Usually I've got the GAs lodged way before settlement, you know, way, way. Um, but with this one... Actually had it for you know eight eight months, but now we're lodging the DA, so that's that's very different for us as well. Mm. But you, at least during that time, you've come up with a solution that is the way to go. So it's it's going to be obviously quite profitable, and it's going to be acceptable to the market. There's always the, the two things mm. uh, that you that you do, and and so that's okay. I mean. Six or eight months is, is a short time frame in, in the in the big picture of things, really, when you consider the outcome mm. and how long you would you would hold that product and how much money it's going to create over a period of time, you know, just to get it right. It's uh, it's well worth that that time. And as you said, this has been the, the one with the most variables you've ever looked at. Mm, that's right. And uh, hence me calling you, <laughs> Baba. <laughs> Oh, I'm just touching base. I know it's been a while, but we're doing something a little bit different. Can I have a chat to you about it? Yeah. Because so all things come into it too. Like as soon as you start talking commercial, one of the first things that comes into my mind is car parking because it can be quite different from standard residential and sometimes councils put pressure on you for, for extra car parking and that can really affect what you can build on the ground and then you think, oh, gosh, do I have to go basement and all that costs a lot? And, mm. and then the obvious thing, well, can I get a relaxation? And I suppose you've gone through all that. That's right. This site has a parking overlay as well. So you meant to have three, you know, parks for every 100 metres of um, 
yeah, office space. So it's actually, it might even be, yeah, free for everybody. Anyway, we think we can get around the commercial parking side of it. That's what we're going to try for. Um, and just be strict and have all the residential parking requirements we need. It's in a cul-de-sac. There's heaps of on-street parking and we're flagged by motels with heaps mm. of extra capacity parking as well. So there's a few things playing in our favour. Plus, a lot of your regional towns are really kind of a little bit desperate to have the commercial zoned land because they don't have much of it actually be used the commercial and yep. the town that we're in is um pretty desperate they don't have any really high-end you know grade a office and they need it there's mm. there's a lot of demand there so um and also it's a sort of a gateway it's a gateway into the town and councils are fairly pro gateways at the moment mm. so we'll promise to make it look pretty and giving the town something that they don't that they need and all of that hopefully will play in our favor yeah it sounds like you've got council support in that respect than what you're what you're offering them and uh, i'm sure there's a there's a deal to be done there even if there's a little bit of massaging on the way through and and you said in the back uh, is three standard townhouses as well. So a bit of a mix yes. in there, is that right? Two-storey yes. ones? Two-storey ones. There's a beautiful park, sort of the nicest park, um, you know, right right behind us really. Um, so but we're going to try and get some park glimpses. I don't know if we will. We'll see how we go. But what, uh, yeah. What will you yeah, do with those three townhouses? Look, we're thinking, um, you know, how much sort of residential, regional accommodation or, or properties does one person need? We're thinking we might sell those down because we'll get a really good premium for them because we'll do them really high-end and there's just no one doing high-end townhouses. We've made a bit of a name for ourselves in that area. So we'll get a great premium in that space for those sorts of things. We'll be a bit clever and dress them up and... Um, and green them up so that they don't feel like they're surrounded by commercial, make the whole thing look like one high-end boutique um, mm. development. And uh, so we're thinking we'll actually sell those down and keep the commercial that'll be high-yielding and either sell the apartments or we'll keep them and do something creative, furnish, mm. executive yep. or, yeah, short-term. So many combinations and permutations. I remember I that from my year nine maths. Uh, but the thing is, like, whatever you do, it's a tremendous outcome. And, it is. Uh, it'll be good. And that's why it was worth spending that extra little bit of time. Just we didn't want to, what do you say, oh, we didn't want to leave anything on the table? What's your expression? Oh, well, I say, yeah, like, like never leave anything on the table. I mean, spend the time up front to maximise. Uh, your opportunity that has to match, match the market, and that's what you've done. And because you had so many different ways you could have gone, it's taken longer to mm. analyse it. I can imagine you and Joel on the table after the kids are gone to bed at night, you know, <laughs> ripping these pondering and running numbers and calculators and spreadsheets flying around. That's it. And what we've discovered is we work really well in warmer climates with glass of wine and, like, the laptop open. So we go on the odd working junket a fair bit. We're very lucky to be surrounded by, you know, grandparents and things. So the kids are lots of cousins. They, they do quite well at it. I think one of the reasons why we've probably got so many projects on the go at the moment is being really, really fortunate with, a, um, with an investor mm -hmm. um, because he sort of came in on one of our 
well, the Melbourne project that we're finishing at the moment, which is a, a another, well, it's another creative, like micro apartments inside, but essentially it's a three townhouse Bayside job again. Um, and he he saw how he operated. I, I kept trying to talk him out of putting all of his cash in, you know, and I was like, we can just borrow construction because I'd already got pre-approval from our NAB contact, like, because yeah. I... The minute I put my foot on a deal, I bring them in really early so they know what we're doing and know what's coming up and we have enough time to get financing. And so I already knew I had financing in the bag for that one, but he he wanted to use, I don't think he'd mind me saying, cash for, for building as well. And now that that one's going so well and it's almost finished, he's been really keen to just replicate that because he can see the money happening and flowing in. So um, with him being our finance year and um me not having to actually spend because you know the amount of time it takes to get finance on mm. the pre you know on the land purchase and then construction it takes a long time it's a lot of toing and throwing it can be a little bit stressful so he's just taken that all away by paying every for cash for everything so that's why i'm like well just give me your give me a cash flow target and give me a profit target let's go let's get there mm. in two years so that's what we're doing yeah yeah i mean it, it- you know, if you if you fund a, a project totally with cash without going to the bank, I mean, there is a saving, uh, well, in time and effort with the bank. I mean, you don't depends how you write interest or not. But you know, if you used your own money, you're not paying interest. You don't have to technically get valuers. You're saving time, uh, and that's great. You make more profit because you're not paying interest. The, the other side of the coin is, of course, that your actual return on funds invested drops mm. because you're not gearing it. Uh, but there's pros and cons, but I'm sure you'll work it out. We're paying, we're paying him interest on the extra he's tipping in. So okay. as part of all of our deals with him have just been quite vanilla, 50-50. Mm. Um, 50-50, he puts in the funds, we do all the running around and put everything together. Mm. And then um, above the 30% of TDC, total development costs, mm. anything above that that he puts in, we pay him a set percentage on. So he's okay. getting... He's getting percentage return on it yeah on the balance i mean that's a lot of people bring another investor in paying this percent this guy's got enough money good on him to to actually be that funder and the thing is uh he's got great security because he's he's, he's on the title mm. uh, which technically even though he might not register a mortgage it's as good as first mortgage there's nobody else so uh, so that sounds great look that, that's a good model uh mm. there's a thousand models and that's a good one uh so look congratulations on Everything you've done and everything you've been doing, I'm very proud of you guys. I don't hear a lot from you these days. And, uh, you know, when we, we do plan to get down to the southern states in the not-too-distant future. You keep saying that, Bob, but you're too busy. Oh, I know, I know. I was in Melbourne only yesterday and we had to fly back, but we, we also need a bit of a break. And so we'll sort something out and head your way. Uh, might, of course, you might also head to the Sunshine Coast for a bit of sun. Oh, it could be really good right about now. It's cold, isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking of just going down the beach shortly and have a little bit of a lie in the sand. <laughs> I was excited when it was six degrees instead of zero degrees this morning when we got in the car. I was like, oh, it's warming up. Warming up. Yep, that's what it's like. I worked worked in camera for some time, so I understand all of that. And you yeah. wouldn't be any warmer where you are. So once again, congratulations. Lovely to talk to you again. Thanks very much for, for sharing your experiences with our listeners and viewers. And, uh, yep, I'm sure they got lots out of it. Good. Thanks very much for having me, Bob. So all the best and uh, hope to see you soon.
Okay, thanks, Bob. And thank you so much for all of your everything because you've changed our lives and life is good now and fun. So thank that's you. What, that's what we do, why we do it, <laughs> changing people's lives. Okay, catch you soon. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.